Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Tina Lamone. about prayer and we've been telling you that prayer changes everything. Um, We've been telling you that because we want you to believe it because it's true. But I realize that sometimes even though we're saying that, we're we're confessing and believing or posting on on, um, social media and stuff, but we don't really believe it. It's just church lingo. It's, It's what the house is saying, so we're saying it, but we don't really believe it. So today I want to encourage you um, in, in this theme that we've been talking about, that prayer changes everything. And I want to give you some foundational truths. Um, so this is a, a little bit of Elevate 101, Tina version, Pastor Tina version. And I'm going to give you some basic foundational truths about prayer. This is not difficult. This is easy truths to understand. But um, in, in my time of praying and really just uh, uh, learning to understand the Bible more, um, there's some things that I've realized, like, like I said, um, we want X, Y, Z, but we haven't mastered ABC. <laughs> and so in my reading of my scripture and learning about the characters that God has placed in the word, I realized in my prayer, wow, God, I've been missing this. And this is an important key. This is a foundational stone that I need to build my prayer life on that I've been missing. And so it's ministered to me. And so I want to share it with you this morning. And so I'm going to give you three secrets to prayer. Three prayer secrets. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you again and again, Lord, for your word and for your truth. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, to share this morning. And I ask that you would speak through me, Father, that you would use me, Lord God. I yield my life to you. I yield my voice. Father, I surrender. And I thank you that today you speak to your people. Lord God, that we would hear your voice. Father, that we would understand who you are to a greater degree, Lord God. That we would strive, that we would run, that we would press to be in the secret place. Because you will reward us in that place, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And so we've been talking about prayer changes everything. And so like I said, I want to give you three secrets to the prayer life, to, to uh, the secret place, to, to praying. And last week, Pastor Sergio talked about um, practical ways. He gave you some practical things on how to build a prayer life. Do you guys remember what they are? Number one, 
Set a time. That's right. Number two, set a place. Number three, set an atmosphere. I know who took notes. Number four, bring something the right way. Number five, to create a memory. Yes. Good job, JB. (laughs) Okay. So he gave us some practical things on how to build a prayer life. And so those things are important. But like I said, if we're missing some of the foundational truths, this sometimes will not even work for us. And so uh, when, I, when I think about scripture, uh, there are so many examples of prayer in scripture. There's so many stories. Um, there's men and women of God uh, that, that the Lord has inspired man to write about to show us what prayer looks like. But the two that stand out to me the most are Moses and Jesus. So we're going to look at Moses a little bit, and we're going to look at Jesus and their um, prayer in Scripture and how Scripture shows us that they prayed and connected with God. And I know a lot of times we talk about David when we talk about prayer because David is known as the man after God's own heart. And look at I really can relate to David, right? He uh, prayed sometimes desperate prayers, heartbroken prayers. I mean, he cried out to God. He laid his heart out before the Lord. But Moses was a different man. And the relationship that Moses had with God was so interesting to me. The way he spoke to God, how boldly he spoke to God, that's what I want in my life. That's what I want to experience. And when Moses spoke to God, God spoke back. God spoke back to Moses. And so we know that um, Moses... uh, Uh, I'm sorry, that the book of Matthew uh, is the beginning, right? The beginning of the New Testament. And it it, it tells us of Jesus' birth and um, how he came um, and and started to prepare his ministry. um, And and he calls his disciples, tells them to follow him. And then he starts leading them. He starts teaching them. He starts Elevate 101 with them. And he starts telling them, this is how you live your life. This is what your character should look like. These are the things that you should be focusing on and that you should do. And he, uh, by the time you get to Matthew chapter 7, Jesus begins to talk about prayer. And he tells them how to pray. And he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, But when you pray, go into your private room and shut your door. And pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. So some of us, when we think about praying, we think about, um, or when we're asked, like, how's your prayer life? Have you been praying? Oh, yeah, my prayer life's been good. I've been praying. Um, And really what we're talking about is not a time where we've gone into a room and, and set aside all these practical things that Pastor Sergio told us to do last week, but we're talking about like, oh yeah, when I drive to work in my car um, every morning, I I think about God. And we call that our prayer. We contemplate, hey, that's good. There should be moments of that, but that's not prayer. That's not what Jesus told the disciples, that when you pray, this is what you should do, okay? When we uh, learn about Moses, And scripture goes through and tells us the stories about Moses and how he related to God. That's not what he did. He didn't contemplate and think about God and call that a prayer life or communication with God. Okay? He didn't um, just uh, uh, fly by, think, oh, I should be praying about this. 
or I wonder what God would say about this. Sometimes we have those thoughts and we think because we thought those things that we've prayed, but you haven't. That's not what scripture's talking about when it tells us to pray. And so I'm not talking about a contemplation time with God, but I'm talking about intimacy with God. I'm talking about communicating with God. I'm talking about speaking to God and then letting him speak back to you, respond to you, asking him questions and then him answering those questions or giving him your plans and then asking him, God, what are your plans? These are my plans, but what are your plans, God? So that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a meeting place with God. And so Jesus spoke these words, but when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door and pray to your father who is in the secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And as I read that, I began to ask God, what does that mean? Jesus, what did you mean in the secret? Like, are you hiding from me? Is it, do people, does not every, everybody doesn't know about you? Like you don't want everybody to know about who Jesus is? Like it's, I'm wondering, what, what does this mean in the secret? What does that mean, God? What do you mean by that? And as I began to study and look a little bit deeper, it led me to Exodus, which now we're gonna talk about Moses a little bit. So Exodus chapter 33, verse 21. And this is Moses and the Lord speaking. And the Lord said, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. So it says, I will put you in the crevice of a rock. And so why this, um, this uh, Matthew chapter 6 led me to Exodus 33, 20. One is because uh, Jesus said, go into your room, close the door, and your father who is in secret will reward you. He sees you in secret. And so that secret place, God, what is that? What is it? Why are you calling it a secret? And then here we have in Exodus 33, God talking about a secret place to Moses. And he says, I'm going to put you in the crevice of a rock. Okay, you're going to put me in a slit in a rock. What does that mean? Why is that important? Why do I want to be in between a rock? And so I started to ask God about that. Why did you put Moses in the crevice of the rock? And so um, I started to look up what, what the cleft of the rock or the crevice of the rock meant. And it's another secret place. It's the secret place where God meets you. And so here we look at scripture and some of the meanings of the cleft of the rock means it's like a high place, a high place on a rock where you can see clear. When you go into the cleft of the rock, you can look out and you can see down because you're up high and you're in between two big stones. So you're protected and you can look down and look over. The cleft of the rock also speaks of superiority. And it doesn't mean that you are better than anyone else, but more that you are superior to the circumstances or the things that are going on in your life. That you are now over those things, that you have a better uh, position to look down upon those things and, and make a plan or see what's happening or see the end from the beginning or understand why the beginning is the way that it is. 
And so it speaks of superiority. It's also known as a place of refuge or a place of rest, a safe place. In scripture, other times where it talked about a cleft in the rock, it talked about um, battles, people fighting battles. And when they were um, not winning the battle or tired from the battle, they would run to the rocks, climb the rocks and find the clefts and hide in them to find refuge, to find safety and to find rest. There's even a story of a people who lived in the cleft of the rocks. And I think this is David uh, when he was waiting to be crowned king and he was running for for his life. um, He came against this group of people that lived in the cleft of the rocks and they were known for not being able to be conquered because they, they had the cleft of the rock as their advantage. But in this scenario, David went after them and he defeated them. So the cleft in the rock is, is another, uh, uh, it's considered a place of refuge, a place of safety where you can run and not be ruined when you're in trouble, where you can run and avoid being defeated. So that's what this cleft of the rock speaks of. Here's another scripture in, the, in studying this. Um, it, it leads you. When you spend time reading scripture and you ask questions like, God, what does a secret place mean? it leads you to somewhere. If you take the time, it will lead you somewhere. So that secret place, scripture, Matthew 6, 6, led me to Exodus. Exodus led me to Psalms. As I continue to ask God some questions, Psalms 91 in the message version says, you who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in shadow and Shaddai's shadow, that secret. Say this, God, you are my refuge. I trust in you and I am safe. It says to sit down in the high God's presence on that rock. God told Moses, I'm gonna put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm gonna pass by you. You're gonna see my shadow. Jesus said, go into your room and close the door and the God who is in secret will reward you. And so here in Psalms 91, it says in in Shaddai's shadow, that name of God that represents his authority. It represents his kingship. And when you are sitting in the high God's presence, you are under his authority and you have the benefits of being close to the king. Everything that's the king's is now yours. Everything that the king says is gonna happen is going to happen to you because you're in his shadow. You're in his presence. You're close to him. It says, say this, God, you are my refuge and I trust in you and I am safe. Okay. Here are some foundational truths about prayer, but let me just tell you, I can almost say that I've been serving God my entire life. Have I had a relationship with Jesus my entire life? No. My, my relationship with Jesus probably began when I was about 16 years old. I started to understand that I had to pursue Jesus and that God wanted to, to be in a relationship with me. I knew about who God was. I knew that I was to pray to God, but I didn't understand that God wanted to speak back to me. And it took a long time because of so much uh, religion or bad teaching or bad examples of relationships for me to understand what relationship with God is supposed to look like. Because God is good at relationships. He's the best. 
but people not so much. And so my experiences with people messed up my views of how God wanted to relate to me. And so it says here, I trust you, God, and I am safe. But let me tell you, I have prayed many times, and I have left that time of prayer, and I have not felt safe, and I did not trust God any more than when I walked in. Just me? There's been many times where I have done what I thought was prayer, and I still did not feel safe. I still struggled with trusting whether God was even there and that he even heard my prayer and that he even cared about what I prayed about. The presence of the king. When we are in the presence of the king, it is, it's, the scripture t- speaks of it like being in a shadow, being covered. And that's what we're to experience in that secret place. But there's many times that I've gone there and done what I thought was prayer and not left covered. Not felt, you know, left that time and I, I, I felt exposed. I felt sometimes worse than when I went in. And so I've wondered, does God even understand why it's so hard? Does he understand? Who else would say that praying is hard? It's hard to pray. Does God understand that? Do you think that God understands why it's so hard for us as people to pray? Does he know how desperate and frustrated I am to connect with him? But it's been years and years of practicing prayer and I still have not connected. I still feel disconnected. Ecclesiastes talks about a scripture that talks about um, a place in our hearts that is empty and that nothing under the sun can satisfy. There's nothing that's under the sun that can satisfy that place in my heart but God. And when I've read that and I've considered that, I've even told God, God, I want to feel what it feels like for you to be in that place, but I struggle still. I don't feel it. And I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to trust you. When I pray, I want to walk away feeling like something was accomplished, but I don't feel that way. What I'm reading in your word, I'm not experiencing it. So I've wondered, does he even understand? I have thought at times, you know what? I'm not even that great of a Christian. And here I am, I need God. And I'm so, so I'm resorting to prayer, but I'm not going to really get to deal with what it is that I need to deal with because I feel so terrible about myself. I'm going to spend 20 minutes telling God how bad I feel about him, about not spending time with him, about not praying or about not trusting or about not leaving feeling like I trust him more. And then after I've had this pity party song with him, I'm not even going to really communicate or connect with God. I'm going to walk away feeling worse. So when we, looked at, when we look at Moses' life and, and God says to Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by you and you're going to see my glory when I pass by. I want to have a relationship with God like that. I want to experience God the way Moses experienced God. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 33. 
where he says, here's a place near me. I want God to say, Tina, this is your place. I want to hear him say, you know, these things are happening in your life, but this is your place. So let those things happen. You have a place right here. Don't be moved. This is your place. That's what I want to hear from God. That's what God was saying to Moses. And so before Exodus 33, it's the story of the children of Israel, right? They, they are delivered from, from Pharaoh, from Egypt. They come out. God delivers them. Um, they're in the wilderness wandering. And God begins to uh, build this relationship with Moses. God had revealed himself to Moses. Moses was getting to know God, and God was leading them through Israel, I mean, through the wilderness. And so um, they come to this place and God tells Moses, go gather the people and tell them to prepare themselves because I want to reveal who I am to them. I want them to know me the way you know me, Moses. So go and tell them to get ready. Have them cleanse themselves, clean their clothes, um, consecrate themselves for three days. They're not to have intercourse. um, And I want them to meet me at the bottom of the mountain. And so God tells Moses, I want you to create a barrier at the bottom. And I want them to come to where that barrier is. God had already been spending time with Moses. God and Moses had built communication. They had a relationship. They were speaking back and forth. Moses was relating to God already, but the children of Israel had not yet related to God the way Moses did. And God tells Moses, I want to reveal myself to them. I want them to know who I am. And so he tells Moses, set the boundaries, warn them not to cross, but they are to get ready and to come down to the boundary. And so God shows up. Scripture tells us that God comes and where he's there, there's smoke, there's thunder, there's lightning. The mountain is shaking and the people are seeing this. They're seeing the smoke, they're hearing the thunder, they're hearing, they hear a loud trumpet. God is not holding anything back. He is coming out blazing. He's saying, I want them to see who I am. I am the God who created you. I made you, and so I understand why you are the way that you are. This life that you've been living in Egypt, that you are leaving behind, I'm the one who delivered you from that. I'm the one who rescued you from that. It's me. You know that meme, it me? That's what God was doing. He said, it me. It's me. I'm him. I'm the one. I'm the God. I want you to know me. And so he's not holding back. He's, he's, they hear, they're hearing these sounds that are growing louder and louder. So as this happens, Moses then begins to draw closer, right? God said, set the boundary, tell the people to come to the boundary, warn them not to go past the boundary, because if they do, it'll be too much for them. So God knew, and he was preparing for them a process to come closer, He was revealing who he was, and he created the boundary. He said, tell them to stay there at the boundary. These things are happening. Moses then starts to climb the mountain. As the smoke is there, there's fire. It's shaking. You would think, like, uh, it's shaking. It might crack. I'm going to get down. No, Moses knew God. He had already been talking to God. 
And so instead of pulling away, Moses started to climb higher to get closer to the shaking, to go deeper in the smoke, to get closer. So Moses, Moses goes closer because he has spent time with God and he wants, to get, he wants more. But the people, they're, they're taking steps back. And they say, I see God, I hear God, and it, it, was a, it was another level to what they had already experienced because they saw God move. They saw God deliver them. But in a personal way, God wanted relationship with them. But when this begins to happen, as Moses gets closer, the people pull away. They start taking steps back from the boundary that God created. God said, come up, come up to the boundary. But they started moving back. They're looking and going, I see, I see you, God, and, and I want you, I want to serve you, but I'm going to come, I'm going to do it from back here. I'm going to do it from back here. I'm going to stay back here because that's just a little bit too much for me. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to contemplate on God, but I'm not going to really go into my room and close the door and turn everything off because I'm not really ready to tell God everything that's on the heart and hear what God wants to say to me. I want to call myself a Christian, a Christ follower. I want to be a part of the church. I want to serve in the church, but I don't want to give God room or a place. I don't want to get close enough for him to actually change me. I can change me. I can look at God, I can see God, I can hear God, and I can change me, but I don't want God to change me just yet. So I'm going to do it from back here. I'm going to contemplate about God. I'm going to recognize and see where God's moving, but I'm going to stay back here. And I'm going to let my pastor, I'm going to let my mentors, I'm going to let those who are spiritually strong and have spent time with God like Moses, I'm going to let them lead me. I'm going to let them seek God for me, and I'm going to just trust that they're doing enough for me to spiritually grow and have a relationship. And then I'm going to contemplate about God. I'm going to spend a little bit of time singing and worship him, worshiping him on the way to work. And, and I'm going to say, Jesus, thank you for waking me up today. And then when I lay my head on my bed, I'm going to say, now I lay me down to sleep. Good night, God. And I'm going to say that I have a prayer life. But that's not what scripture talks about. So the people had not had this closeness with God. But God desired to pull them in. And he wasn't going to hold back. He wanted to pull them in. And he wanted them to see. Oh my gosh. I don't know. It, it makes me emotional because I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the experiences that I've had with God. And when I read this story, I realize there's still more. And that makes me happy. That encourages me. That motivates me to get closer to the shadow, to get closer to the shaking to get closer to the fire and the smoke. And so God wasn't holding back because he wanted them to see. 
So God begins to speak and he says, I am the Lord your God. I'm him. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. He says, have no other gods before me. Don't make any images and bow down to them. Have no other gods. Don't bow to anything else and don't worship anything else. Don't allow anything else to come into your life that would take your time away from me. And so we know that God begins to give the Ten Commandments. He begins to lay down these laws for them on how to live a holy life. And God is pouring out his authority. He's pouring out his kingship on the people. But they continue to pull back. They stayed at a distance. And they begin to tell Moses, you go speak to God, Moses. You go up. You do that. You speak to God. Listen to what he says. And then you come back down and tell us. And whatever he says, that's what we'll do. They were there when God spoke the first time and said, have no other gods before me. They heard that. When God said, do not make any images and bow down to them, they heard that. They heard all the things that God said. And so God continues to, to lay out the commandments to them. And they, and they tell Moses, you go, you go. And then we'll listen to what you say. And Moses was like, wait, what? What do you mean? No, no, no. Moses says, don't be afraid. Why are you afraid? God is revealing himself to you. This is what you want. This is where you want to be. This is where it's at. Don't be afraid. This is just God revealing himself to you. And so Moses tries to convince them, no, 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 don't pull back. This is safe. This is God. He wants to teach you. He wants to impart to you. He wants to keep you safe. You've been struggling. You've been discouraged. You've been beaten down. You've been abandoned. You've been treated bad. And God wants to change all that for you. So it's here that that's going to happen. So Moses says, don't pull back. But they resist. He says, but wait a minute. You're God's special people. He's giving you a special thing. He's chosen you of all the people of the earth. You're his special people. That's why he's doing these things for you. But they still pull back. And they say, God, I see you. I see you, God. I hear what you're saying. But I'm going to do it from back here. I, I see the shadow. I hear of the secret place. But I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to pretend like this is, this, this is enough. This is enough. This is enough for me. So their people remained away and at a distance. This is what most of our prayer lives are like. God is doing things in the earth. He's speaking to people. He's healing lives. He's changing things. He's in, influencing people. And you're on the outside watching these things happen, pleased with the good things that are happening in your life, but you don't realize that God has better things for you. What Pastor Jesse just got up here and talked about, those businesses, those opportunities, those things have been birthed in the secret place. And when he was in the secret place and God was dropping or unlocking those things on the inside of him, he had no idea those things were even there 
or that he was even capable of doing the things that he's doing. I mean, he got up and talked to you about his business. But if you knew Jesse Delgado and what he experienced as a kid and his relationship with his father and the things that he experienced, the fact that he is such a good husband and father to his kids is a miracle in itself. Because men like Jesse Delgado who have experienced the things that he's done do not live lives like he does. They don't relate to their children the way he relates to their children. They don't love and affirm their kids the way I see this man love and affirm his kids. They don't work in their marriage to serve their wives the way I see him serve his wife. So yeah, God's doing all this stuff in his business. But Jesse is the man that he is today because he knows how to get into that secret place. Because he has not run from the secret place. Because he's allowed God to tell him in the secret place, Jesse, you cannot be what you have seen. You cannot think the way you've always thought. There's some things that I want to impart or change in you, Jesse. And so I need you to come a little closer so that you can feel that fire. Because in the smoke, when you don't know what's going on, I'm working. I'm doing things inside of you, and I just need you to trust and believe. So we see God, but we don't want to get close enough to the place where God is. Moses is up on the mountain, getting closer, and the people have no capacity. They have no trust established with God because they don't want to spend time where God is. God said, come up, spend time with me. How Moses was up there for 40 days at a time. He was up there spending time with God and the people were like, no, 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 just go, Moses. We're going to just live. We're going to live. We, we got things to do. And so you go up and do it. We'll let you have that time. And then you come back and you can tell us what God says. They had no capacity. Some of us have no capacity to experience God. We, we uh, come up for altar calls, we respond to a message, and it lasts about 30 minutes. And then we walk out the door and go right back to what we came out of. Because we have no capacity. God wants to increase your capacity. That's what he was trying to do with the children of Israel. He knew that they couldn't handle a lot. So he was saying, come on, this is a barrier. Come to the barrier, I'm going to help you. I'm going to lead you and increase you so that you can handle more, so that the things that I do are established and rooted in your life and you can grow from them. So they pulled, they pulled back. They heard God say all these things and what happens? So, so Moses goes up higher. And God begins to write the things out on the tablets for him to take down. And as this is happening, what do they do? They go right back and do exactly what he said not to do. So why did he have to tell them not to do those things? Because that's the kind of life they lived. They were a people who created idols with their own hands and worshipped those idols. Because they had been living in Egypt, so this was part of the culture. So God just wasn't picking something out of his hat and saying, don't do this. You might want to do this, don't do this. No, there was a reason why God said, 
don't make any images. Don't bow down or worship any images. I am the God. You don't need to search for any other gods. I'm him. It's me. So don't do that anymore. Just spend time with me. So they leave. They get bored. And they're like, this guy, Moses, he's, we don't even know where he's at. He went up in the mountain. We didn't see him come back down. You know what, Aaron, um, let's make a golden calf. Let's worship that calf. And we'll thank this golden calf for delivering us. It's the God who delivered us. So they start doing exactly what God said not to do. The first three things on the list God said not to do, they went and did it. So God gets angry. We know what happens. He sends Moses down, says, these people that you brought out of Egypt, look at what they're doing. So you, we know the story. Moses has to come down. He's angry. All this drama breaks out. Some people die. Some people live. All that stuff. <laughs> so God handles it, okay? He handles it. And then he says, now get out of here. Go. Go. You talk like that to your kids after you've disciplined them? Now go, go to your room, close the door. Or you gotta take them to school, you're like, get out the car, just go. Have a good day and I'll see you later. I put some money on your lunch account. Now get out of here. Basically that's what God did. So he handles it and he says, Moses, get those people, go take them to the land that I promised but I'm not going with you because you are stiff-necked idiots. Feel that way sometimes when you're scolding someone? Like, what the heck is wrong with you? Please don't talk to your kids that way. <laughs> I do it sometimes, and then I feel bad. I have to go back to them and be like, I'm sorry I said that to you. <laughs> God's like, what the heck is wrong with you, you idiot? Why didn't you just listen to what I said? I told you, I laid it out for you. And so he says, okay, so get these people and go out, go, get out of here, go to the promised land, go to, go to the place that I promised you, but I'm not going with you, just go. So he doesn't take back the promise. He says, you can have the promise, but I'm not going with you anymore. Moses is like, hmm, I don't know. God, we're friends. So Moses is talking to God. He says, but wait a minute, God. You and I, we're friends. I get it. I get that you're mad right now. But me and you, we're cool. We're friends. You've been talking to me about this. You've been teaching me about who you are. And, and this thing that you just said to go, but I'm not going to go with you, that's not who you are. That's not what you've shown to me. That's not what you've said about me. You've said that I have favor with you that I've pleased you. So if I've pleased you, why are you gonna send me alone? If you're not gonna go, then who are you gonna send with me? So Moses is having this conversation with God. He's praying. He's in the secret place and he's going, wait a minute, God. Okay, you're telling me to go. You're saying that these are the things that you have for me, but um, I need you to explain to me how I'm gonna get there. Moses says, um, if you're not going, then I don't wanna go. So I don't know how these people are going to get there, but if you're not going with, neither am I. 
This is Moses' bold relationship with God. And so when I, asked, when I said in the beginning, I want to have a relationship with God like Moses did. Look at the way he's talking to God. He says, but wait, wait, God, okay, I, um, I, I, that's fine, but, but I, if you're not going, I don't want to go. God, we're friends. So I need you to explain to me how this is going to work. I want to be where you are at. I want to see your glory. I don't want to go on this trip. I don't want to go on this endeavor to what you've told me has promised me without seeing your glory. I'm going to go but I'm not going to go if you don't go with me. And so this is where we find chapter, Exodus 33, verse 21 and 22, because the Lord responds to Moses. The Lord responds to Moses calling him out and saying, wait a minute, I'm going to obey and I want to obey, but what you showed me about you, our communication, um, what, you've, what you've revealed to me, what you've built up inside of me, um, it's not me going without you. So what's the plan then? If, if you're not going to go with me, then what's the plan? This is Moses talking to God. And he says these things to God, and he doesn't just go and walk away, but he stays there and he lets God respond to him. And so God says, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. What you've said is true, God says, I am going to go with you. You're right. I'm not going to abandon you because that's not who I am. And so God just said, I'm not go. I'm not going. Moses challenges God on that plan. God changes it again. So, you know, I know we say that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But do you understand what that means? What it does not mean is that we don't change God's mind. That's not what it means. I think I make sense what I just said. <laughs> when, when God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the character of God, the heart of God doesn't change. But the plan of God, we can change it. The way the plan unfolds, we can influence God's choices by our time and communication with him in the secret place. So Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. So God tells him, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by you and you're going to see my shadow. So this is communication between God and Moses before Jesus. It gets even better. It gets even better than this. God said, I'm going to pass by you. They had this friendship, this relationship, but you can't see my face because if you see my face, you will die but I'm gonna pass by you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in that secret place. I'm gonna put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna cover you and I'm gonna pass by you and you're gonna experience me. This is Moses' relationship and communication with God. Now we have Jesus. The children of Israel said no. They said no to that secret place, but Moses said yes. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your private room and shut the door and pray because your father who is in secret will see you. Like Moses, you have to say yes to the secret place. The people said no. Stop being like those people. Stop calling your contemplation a prayer life. 
Stop calling your confessions a prayer life. That's not communication with God. That's you communicating with your soul. When you're confessing, you're agreeing with God and you're communicating to your soul. But that's not your prayer. That's not the communication that God wants to establish with you. That's not what he wants to, that foundational thing that he wants you to experience so he can build all the rest of those things in you. So like Moses, you have to say yes to the secret place. So here's our first fundamental truth. And I feel like I've established it for you. Our first fundamental truth is so that you don't have to wonder anymore if God understands when you go to pray. So you don't have to feel bad about the time that you've stayed away or the things that you've done or the mistakes you've made or the way you've talked or the things you've been involved in. Because as soon as we say, like, I, I need to pray, every bad thing that I've done in the last 24 hours is just like comes right up to my, this like register. And my receipt comes out and it's all these sins are on there. And I'm like, dang it. And then I struggle with like worshiping God or repenting for my sins. Like, wait a minute, does God know about, I mean, did he really see like every single sin? And I have this conversation and I'm there for like 15, 20 minutes in that same conversation and I still haven't talked to God. But because I had that little conversation and I've been in there for 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, I prayed. And I don't hear anything that God said. And I call that my prayer. And so the fundamental truth, the first fundamental truth I want to give you so that you don't have to wonder about that anymore is this, number one, that God is in the secret place. He's there. You don't have to pray him down. You don't have to go through that cash register list of all your sins. You don't have to go through them one by one and explain to God why those things happen and how bad you feel about all those things. You don't have to do that. As soon as you go into your room, as soon as you close the door and you say, God, I'm here, he is in that place with you. He's there. He, he showed us through Moses, his relationship with Moses. He said, I'm here in the cleft of the rock. Then Jesus comes and says, when you pray, this is what you do. You go into your room and you close the door. So when you shut the door, you don't have to go through that pity party. You don't have to do any of that. Go in with the assurity, the guarantee that Matthew chapter 6 gives us. That when you pray, go into your room, close the door because he is there. He is in the secret place. He's there. And so a lot of times we go in, we close the door, we're in, we're in what we, the secret place. And we're like, man, is God going to hear me? Is this prayer going to do anything for me? Is this going to change anything for me? I don't know, but I'm just going to do it. No. Don't pray like that. Don't live years of praying like that like I did. Don't let any more time be wasted thinking those kinds of thoughts. As soon as you decide, whether it is that you're driving in your car and you go, God, I'm going to turn off this radio because I need you before I go into this place. God, I give you my heart today. Speak to me, Lord. I need you. He is there. 
He's right there. Now, I said even if, it, if it's in your car, but that's really God's asking you for more. He's asking you for more. He wants you to shut everything off. He wants you to come up to where he is in the cleft of the rock. He's calling you up. And so there's something, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. You've got to shut everything else out. And so you can have the 15-minute drive to work prayer life, but that is not enough. And that is not, God has so much more for you. And you're not going to handle all the things that you have in your life with that 15-minute driving in the car prayer life. That's not, it's not enough. So the first foundational truth is that God is in the secret place. And Matthew gives us the, the guarantee of that, that God is there. All you have to do is shut the door and you are instantly there. So if you want to build your relationship with God, you've got to have the trust. Like Moses trusted God. He, when the mountain shook, he, he climbed up higher. Don't be like the people and step back. And wonder, is God even here listening to me? Have that visual in your head of the children of Israel moving away from the boundary. And go, no, God, you said it, that you're in the secret place. And if I close my door, that you are right here and that you're going to reward me. And I need you now. It, it's going to change the way you talk to God. I want to talk to God the way Moses talked to God. I don't have the courage to do that unless I trust and believe that when I walk in the room, he is right there. I don't have to coerce him or talk him into spending time with me. He's there in the secret place waiting for me. He's waiting with the door open and says, come on in, I'm right here. He's there in the secret place. Matthew 6, Jesus talks, teaches them how to pray. Matthew 7, he starts to tell them about building a foundation. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7 really quick. It says, um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. This is Jesus teaching the disciples of how to build. He says there's a foundation. There's a rock foundation that you need to build your house on. And if you don't build it, you are building foolishly. He just told them, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and God, who is in the secret place, will reward you. So if you continue to go to prayer and do not trust and believe that God is there, the moment you walk in, you are foolishly praying. You are foolishly building a life of prayer. You know what it makes me think about? Um, that um, image of running in a cartoon and they're like in mud and they're running and the mud, their feet are going and the mud is splatting up behind them, but they're not going anywhere. Have you, has that ever happened to you? Like it doesn't just happen in cartoons, it happens in real life. Did you know that? 
uh, we had a, a season of rain in Mississippi. I was about 13 years old, and um, we, uh, the, my front yard was super muddy because uh, puddles of water had collected. And um, I was running from the neighbor's house back into my house, and I got to this one place where my foot stopped <laughs> making traction. And I literally, my legs were moving, and the ground stayed there. I was moving, but the ground didn't move. And <laughs> boom. <laughs> I felt so dumb. This happened another time. It doesn't just happen in the mud. I was in my closet one time cleaning out and uh, taking some things um, and trying them on and trying to get rid of some clothes and stuff. And um, if you didn't know this about me, but I am deathly afraid of roaches. Oh my gosh. And so I was in my closet and I had pulled a sweater out and I put my arm through the sleeve to see if this sweater still fit. And when I did, I heard like a crackling. So not only am I afraid of roaches, but the big ones, oh my gosh. And so I, I hear like this crackling noise and I feel this like, you know, <laughs> on my arm. So there was this big roach in the sleeve of my sweater and I put my arm through it and I knew right away what it was. I felt those little legs and the little wings and all that stuff. And so I ripped the sweater off and I had all my shoes on the floor. <laughs> I had this big walk-in closet and so I had thrown all my shoes that were out on the floor and I was in the closet. So I ripped off the sweater and I went to go run. And every time I picked up another shoe, boom, boom. So my shoes start going that way. I'm going like this, but I'm not going anywhere. And I'm screaming my head off, like screaming like somebody was there chasing me. And so my husband comes running down the hall. I was like, what the heck? And by this time, uh, there was no more shoes, and I just kind of collapsed on the floor. And I'm crying, and he's like, what happened? And I said, a roach. He said, oh, and he just left me there. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? And so, you know what? Roaches in Florida, they have those big ones, and then you walk down the street, and they will fly and land on your neck. <laughs> I don't know how I started talking about that, but anyways, um, where was I? So... Um, Matthew 7, Jesus starts to talk about uh, a building and how to not be a foolish builder, but to be a wise builder. And so he, he says, but anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. So what are the words that I'm talking about this morning? That when you go into your room and you close the door, God who is in the secret place, that's the words. If you continue to go into prayer and not believing and trusting that God is there with you, immediately you are building a foolish prayer life. And so uh, the foundation rock of prayer is that God, your Father, is there with you. That's the rock. That's the foundational rock that you need to have a stronger and deeper and intense prayer life and communication with God. That he's waiting for you and that he wants to relate to you like he did with Moses. But like I said, it gets even better. We don't have to be foolish anymore in our prayers. We don't have to walk away wondering, did God hear? Does God understand? Does God know how difficult it is for me? Because the Bible tells us, Jesus said, God knows what you need before you even ask. 
So he knows, he understands, and he has what you need to get through and overcome. We have to understand. It says that when the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell. There are storms that are designed to destroy your prayer life. There are storms that the enemy has released to keep you from going into the secret place and understanding what happens in that secret place. The devil, he stands by and he just blows on your prayer life. He says, oh, they don't even believe. They don't even believe that God's there. And he laughs. He says, this is perfect. Let me just blow a little wind on that because they don't even trust that that I have the answer to fix the problem that they're coming to me with. They don't even think that I can heal them. They don't even think that I can give them the joy of living again, that God can give them the joy of living again. They don't even believe that, so let me send another storm. Let me just keep this thing going and keep them away from the secret place. He hears when, when we say things like, but I can't hear God when I pray. I go to prayer, but I don't hear God. I don't feel God when I pray. You know what? He even hears some of the positive things that we say that are not even the truth. I heard this video on on, uh, social media, and this dad was saying to this little girl, did you eat this candy? He found a wrapper in her room. He said, did you eat this candy? And she said, no, daddy. And he goes, I'm going to ask you one more time. Did you eat this candy? Tell daddy the truth. And she looks at him and says, I am telling the truth. I'm telling you the happy truth. When I tell you this, you're happy with me. And the dad's face is like, oh my gosh. And he says, okay, baby, but I need you to understand. If you ate this candy and I'm asking you and you don't tell me what you did, it's not the truth. I need you to tell me the truth. And she's like, no, daddy, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the happy truth. And so he coerces her to tell him the truth. He, he says, no, I need you to tell me the truth. He obviously knows that she ate the candy, but he wants her to tell him the real truth. And so he says, no, 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 I need you to, t- I'm going to ask you one more time. I need you to tell me the truth, not the happy truth, the real truth. And she says, okay, I ate the candy. <laughs> and, and in the video, the dad walks away and the mom is obviously videoing and he says, I'm not going to whip her. <laughs> I'm not going to discipline her. And so we, we say things like, oh, yeah, I, I've prayed. I talked to God about this. Um, I didn't hear anything yet, but I've prayed about it. And all you did was contemplate. Or you spent five minutes in your car on the way to work, and you didn't, you didn't have a conversation with God about it. So there's things that Satan has designed to keep you there. But we have to trust and believe that God is there and that he is listening and he has things to say to you and that he deserves intimacy. He wants to be intimate with you. We learned in the marriage conference yesterday that intimacy requires privacy. It requires privacy. You cannot be intimate with God with other people in the car with you. You can definitely talk to God that way, but you cannot have intimacy with God that way. Psalms 95 verse 7 says, drop everything and listen. 
Don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising. This is talking about that moment where those people rejected God's invitation. And there was a bitter uprising against God. Psalm says, drop everything. Drop everything and listen because he is speaking. Don't turn a deaf ear. You have to choose to listen to God. Secret place is not a place for you to go and give your agenda to God. We want God to hear us. We're like Violet from the Chocolate Factory. You know, she sings that song, I want the world, I want the whole world, and I want it now. That's how we go to God sometimes. We're like, God, I want this, I want this, I want to be this kind of woman, I want this for my kids, I want my kids to go to this type of school, I want them to marry this type of person. Okay, nice talking to you, God. But that's not communication with God. Listen, it's okay for you to give your agenda to God, but now you have to go, okay, this is my plan, God, but what's your plan? Does your plan line up with my plan? Because if it doesn't, I need you to let me know right now because there needs to be some things that I gotta adjust. That's what communication in the secret place looks like. So it's not a time for us to just give God our agenda. It's a time to be intimate and communicate with God. Zechariah chapter seven, verse eight through 13 says, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry, but they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. He says, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. This is what the Lord Almighty said. But when I called to them, they did not listen. So when they called, I did not listen to them. This is what a lot of us in our prayers look like. This is what we call a life of prayer. When we're asked, are you praying? Or we're talking about our prayer. This is what we're referring to. A time that we've laid out to go and give God our agenda, but we don't listen to anything that God has to say. We don't give God a chance to give us direction or impart or change us. Zechariah tells us that if we listen to God, that God will listen to us. You have to position yourself to hear. They chose. They chose to harden their hearts. They chose to cover their ears. They chose to say, Moses, you go. We don't want to hear this anymore. You come down and tell us. That was a choice that they made. So the way your prayer life is going right now is because of the choices that you are making. So we've already established that God is in the secret place. So that shouldn't be hard for you anymore. All you have to do is acknowledge it in the moment. God, I'm going into the secret place. Your word says that you are there. Matthew 6 says that God who is in the secret place will reward you. God, I'm going in the secret place. Let's talk about that reward. Zechariah tells us that when we listen to God, that he will also listening to us, listen to us. So why is it so difficult to listen in prayer? Why? It's easy to speak, but it's so much harder to listen. It's because we're so full of all the things that are going on in the world. 
We are so distracted. We are so entertained. We are so filled up. That place where I talked about in Ecclesiastes that says nothing under, under the sun can satisfy. We've allowed so, we've tried to satisfy with so many other things that it's difficult to get into the secret place and listen because we're so full of other junk. That's why God says to drop everything and listen, go into the secret place and close the door. So don't take your phones in there. Strip yourself of everything and go into a secret place. Go somewhere and close the door and know that God is right there with you. And when you get in that moment, when you experience that for the first time, it's going to do something to you. I get emotional every time. And my past, that storm that's designed to keep me from spending time with, with God would try to get me to go into these religious prayers, things that I've heard other people say, or even scriptures that I know because I feel like, oh, this, I'm in God's presence. I gotta, I gotta act this way. I gotta sound a certain way because, so God will stay. That's that storm. That's not what God wants. That's not what intimacy with God looks like. So you have to position yourself. There's so much going on around you, you've got to close everything out. And here's the second truth, is that we have to listen and we're listening to obey. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. I, I gave you the second truth, but I didn't tell you what it was. So number two is don't just speak, but listen to. So number one is that God is in the secret place. Number two is don't just speak to God, but listen to God too. And number three is that you listen to obey. Listen to obey. Listen, the storms that are designed to keep you from praying, those storms hit the, those who are obedient and those who are disobedient. So if you are being obedient, you're still gonna have storms designed and assigned to you. Even if you're being obedient, those storms are still gonna hit you. So they, those storms hit the obedient and the disobedient. But come obedient and ready to do what God has told you to do. Let's look at Jesus. I'm gonna close with Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus even went to the secret place. Jesus even understood that all I have to do is go away. Jesus was doing all the things that Pastor Sergio preached about last week. He set aside a time, he had a place that he went. So it says that Jesus went to the us his usual place, the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12 was leading them and he approached Jesus. So Jesus was being obedient. He was in the secret place. He understood that God was there. And look at the moment when Judas came to attack. Jesus was where he was supposed to be. 
So we've got to recognize that all of hell is working against you. Satan is throwing out his best schemes. He's shooting his sharpest arrows. Every time you decide that you want to pray and go and commune with God, he is working to keep you away from the secret place. It happened to Jesus. Jesus was in his usual place seeking God when Judas came to betray him. But Jesus had been with God. God had prepared him. He, he had told him this is what's going to come. And even though you have to go through this difficulty, the, this is the reward. And so for the reward that was set before him, Jesus was able to endure the cross because he had a secret place. And he communicated with God and he allowed God to speak back to him. Go ahead and stand with me. So I know I, I gave you some basic truths. Wasn't super deep. But if we go into prayer and try to build our lives of prayer and grow and expect to bear fruit and we don't believe this thing that God is in the secret place, you're going to be running in the mud. And you're going to fall in that mud. You're going to get up and that mud's going to be all over you or you're going to fall in a pile of shoes. <laughs> whatever, whatever your situation is. The idea is, is I don't want you to get stuck anymore and run in the same spot and not accomplish anything in your walks with God. So lift your hands with me right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you for your word that promises us. Jesus told the disciples that you are in the secret place. And that when we go to the secret place, that you are there, God, that you lift us up, that you put us in the cleft of the rock, God, that you hide us from destruction, Lord God, that you are a refuge, a place of safety for us. Lord God, we commit to intimacy with you. Tell God, I want to be intimate with you, Father. I don't want to struggle in my prayers anymore, God. I want to trust and believe that you are there. I want to believe that you hear me, that you understand me. Because if I understand and I feel safe in knowing that you're there, I can come. I can come there, God, if I know that you're there. Help me. Ask God. Say, God, help me to see that you are in the secret place. You know, we can't let our feelings keep us from communicating with God. We can't let the circumstances and struggles in life keep us from going to the secret place because there's so much more. There's so much more that God has for you but it's only gonna happen in the secret place. There's so many things that God wants to break you free from. There's so many things that God wants to heal in your life. There's dark places that you don't understand why you keep repeating these same behaviors and God wants to show you why, but it's only gonna happen in the secret place. It's only gonna happen in the secret place and that, cause, that requires you to humble yourself. To humble yourself, you have to resist those feelings. You have to resist the feelings that tell you that God is not listening to you. 
And Lord, I just release a blessing right now over your body, your people, your bride. Father, that they would not resist, but that they would say yes to you, God. They would say yes to being with you, Father. And I thank you, Lord. We invite you to shake the mountain. We invite you, God, to bring the smoke. We invite you to let that fire burn, God, and change us. Say, God, change me. Change me, God. Teach me, God. Build me up, Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, that a spirit of prayer will begin to rise up into every man, woman, and child, every youth. God, I thank you that the spirit of prayer would be stirred up inside of them, Lord God, that the motivation to bow their knees and understand that as they bow their knee and humble themselves, that you are lifting them up to a place of superiority over their circumstances, over their struggles, over their past. Lord God, I thank you you have already spoken to us that 2022 is a season of celebration. No more going back to the calf. No more going back to the idols. No more going back to the distractions, God. Father, we want to be included with what you're doing in the earth. We want to be included in your plan and your purpose. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.